Hi, and welcome to The Insider, a podcast from the Mail Tribune newsroom. I'm your host, web editor Ryan File. On this podcast, I check in with different reporters just after they've gotten done with pretty sizable stories or projects, just to get a glimpse behind the scenes at how they pulled it all together. Today, returning for the, what, fifth time, sixth time, is uh, <laughs> reporter Vicki Aldis, who recently wrapped up a huge series on the Jackson County Jail. The jail prescription takes a hard look at the facility's current state and why law enforcement says it needs a sizable upgrade, one to the tune of $170.3 million. That would raise property taxes on county homeowners by 85 cents per $1,000 of assessed value. Without the support of talent citizens, that rate would jump about two cents. It's an important story, and it's uh, one of the most important in our community right now. And I wanted to pick Vicky's brain a bit following the, you know, novella she just cranked out. So, uh, Vicky, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. So, just so listeners can understand the effort that goes into something like this, how long did you spend on this story, all told, and what was kind of the process? Um, I put about three weeks of active effort into it, but I would say that it really takes years of background and building relationships in the community in order to do this kind of project. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically, just in terms of uh, getting to know these sources and everything, I mean, that was a, a big aid right up front because of the fact that you knew these people and had good rapport with them. And Exactly, yeah. Um, it, it just takes time to win the trust and get to know people who work in mental health, who work in addictions, and people who have struggled with mental health and addiction. Mm-hmm. So set the stage for me uh, to start with, just so I, we can kind of get a baseline of what we're talking about. Uh, what is the current state of the Jackson County Jail, and why is law enforcement so intent on more than doubling its size, its capacity? Right now, the Jackson County Jail has 315 beds for inmates, and even though Jackson County isn't one of the largest counties in the state by far, we are second when it comes to forced releases. That's when you release inmates due to overcrowding. We're only trailing Josephine County, which is our neighbor to the west. They've historically had some huge problems with their jail because they were just gutted by the loss of timber revenue, and it took them a long time to rebuild. So trailing Josephine County. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you're, you are Jackson County, which normally Jackson County is considered to be uh, fairly strong um, among counties that were previously reliant on timber. So it's a bit of a black eye um, to be second place in the state for forced releases. Yeah. And so the the sheriff's department especially has been championing this for a long time. Can you do a little bit of uh, background on that, how long they've been at this? Well, the jail was built in the 1980s, and experts on corrections said it was actually outdated the day it was built. Um, It's built like, imagine a hotel where there's a long hall, and as you're walking down the hall, you can peek into the open door of each room and see what's going on in that room, but as soon as you move down the hall, you don't have any vision of what's going on in any of the other rooms. So um, that's an outdated format that even in the 1980s they knew wasn't structured very well. More modern jails have a pod format where the corrections deputies are sitting in more the middle. The inmates are arranged around them. They can keep a better eye on things. So size and uh, architectural layout wasn't really done right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You took a um, seemingly unique approach to this series in the first installment of the three parts 
in that you talked to several former jail inmates. Um, essentially, you got their takes and perspectives on why they're championing a larger, more multifaceted facility. Why was it important to, to you to get those voices specifically in a series like this? There is a lot of talk in the community Um, Instead of investing in a jail, we should be investing in drug treatment. So there's a lot of talk about drug addicts. There's a lot of talk about people and how to help them recover from drug addiction. But I wanted to talk to people who actually had gone down that path, who are essentially experts in their own lives, have the perspective, can look back on what did help them. And many told me that it really was... um, In the beginning, when they were slowly cycling into drug addiction, they would just get kicked out of jail. Um, They were doing low-level things like shoplifting, but then it would build and build and build. Um, One person who started out just shoplifting from Walmart, she then did a string of burglaries, stealing thousands of dollars from um, restaurants. So by then she was facing some really serious jail time and prison time, and only then was she able to really get her head on straight, um, clear her head, spend some time in jail, get involved in drug treatment court and start a treatment program. But many people I've talked to said it really did take that time in jail or time even in prison, which is usually when you have a a sentence of more than one year, you go off to state prison. They said it really did take that time away from other users, that separation from drug use that they couldn't control in order for them to break out of this really terrible cycle that takes just a a horrific uh, toll on people's mental and physical health. Okay. Um, And so how did you get former inmates then, people who have probably appeared in our our jail logs to agree to talk to you for this? How, How did you find them? Well, um, we have a really uh, amazing recovery community here in Medford. There are a lot of people who've really been through the ringer. You know, they've they've been in and out of jail many, many times. Um, they are frequent flyers, as uh, they are known, um, well known to law enforcement. But they've recovered. Um, they are amazing mentors, uh, functioning members of society doing a really great job. They're very open about sharing their experiences. And over the years, I've gotten to know people in the recovery community. So I reached out to people who have this lived experience, asked them for their opinions, got a lot of input from them, uh, heard their stories. There's also a doctor in town, Dr. Carrie Hecox, and she does primary care for families, but she also integrates it with the drug treatment so people can feel comfortable talking to her about their, um, you know, urges to use, Um, shame, guilt they feel about their past drug addiction in this healthy primary care setting. So I talked to her and said, hey, you know, do you have any patients who have been through this, have spent some time in jail? Um, They're stable enough that they can look back and and share what they went through and offer some perspective. And she said, sure, I'll ask around. And so she sent me, you know, more people than I could even fit into the story. Um, But I definitely didn't just want to go back on people I've talked to in the past, knowing what they would say. I wanted to branch out and talk to a variety of people so I could feel better that I was getting a range of opinions from people who've gone through this experience. Yeah. Um, Switching gears a little bit, uh, Talent and Ashland uh, have expressed skepticism for a new jail um, and said that uh, law enforcement, physical health, and mental health industries need to get at the root causes of crime uh, and treat that instead. I think 
everybody agrees that we do need to do more to intervene in drug addiction and mental health issues, um, and there does need to be more treatment. Um, but some people would say, my behavior was so out of control, I could not control my drug addiction. I needed that time, basically that time out, that forcible intervention for me to eventually achieve recovery. So at the newspaper, we are just trying to gather people's stories and share their experiences. And I think it's an experience that a lot of people aren't really familiar with. We like to talk about what's good for other people, but why don't we ask them, what do you think is good for you? What do you think is good for people who've gone through this experience? Um, how has the burden on jails gotten greater recently when it comes to serving the mentally ill? Because I think this is another really key component in understanding what we're looking at. It's tough because um, the state of Oregon got hit with a lawsuit. Uh, they run a mental health institution called the Oregon State Hospital. So let's say if I um, was mentally ill and I had committed a crime, I show up in court and my defense attorney says, this person's so mentally ill, she can't even help me. Um, she can't communicate with me. She can't explain things to me. So my defense attorney might try to get me sent up to the Oregon State Hospital in Salem where I would receive some stabilization services, some psychological help to the point where I could recover enough that I could go come back down to Jackson County and help my defense attorney out with my case. Well, there was such a backlog of people waiting for aid and assist services at Oregon State Hospital that Oregon got hit with a lawsuit. So their solution was to say, we're going to put some really extreme limits on counties being able to send defendants to the hospital for these services. So that solved the lawsuit problem for Oregon, but it put a huge burden on the counties. They're not equipped to be offering such a range of uh, mental health services combined with legal advice. <laughs> but the burden is now on the county, and now people all over the state are sitting in county jails without adequate mental health and legal services um, because of the way the state chose to resolve the lawsuit. And I'm assuming that that has just m continued to make costs spiral. It does increase costs. And there's also a big question of fairness. Um, again, if I were mentally ill and I was in jail, um, I might sit there so long unable to help my defense attorney that I reached the maximum sentence I could have received if I had been found guilty. And then they just turned me loose and dismissed my case. Um, my case was never resolved. I never received any mental health services. Now I'm back on the street, maybe getting in some kind of trouble again, harming someone else or myself. Um, no intervention. Mm -hmm. um, like most things, understanding cost is a, is a key factor in making an informed decision on a ballot measure like this. Um, in part three of your series, you, you look at the 20-year cost not only of the jail, but of the projected annual cost of crime in Jackson County. And, and this is based on a, a study by a Southern Oregon University MBA. Um, essentially, passing the jail levy could cost Jackson County taxpayers 173, uh, excuse me, 170.3 million over 20 years, while the annual cost of crime, the annual, that's per year, is 171.2 million. And I was hoping for a bit more on what this study found and what you gleaned from it as, as it relates to this uh, this issue. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of community discussion about the cost of the new jail. 
Um, but the hidden costs that we're all paying already um, are for police, law enforcement, costs to victims, medical costs, um, lost work, lost pro productivity. Um, there's, the, there's a giant cost of crime that's spread out all, over all of society that we don't really see. And it's just a, a little ironic that the hidden cost of crime annually is as much as this 20-year cost of crime of building the full jail. Now, nobody's saying if we built the jail, crime would suddenly go away and we would save all that money. That isn't going to happen. I mean, people are still going to have police departments. We'll still have prosecutors there. will still be crime. But the study did have an interesting side note. Um, the person doing the study estimated the cost of forced early releases, and he puts the cost burden at $7,126 every time somebody is released due to overcrowding. That's not, not everybody who's released from jail goes on to commit new crimes, but some do. Some do reoffend, and then they're back in jail. There's been property damage, maybe some physical damage. Um, you know, in the worst-case scenarios, we have uh, assaults, rapes, murders, and it seems... Um, terrible to put a cost to crime when people are hurt, but a murder costs society over $10 million. A rape, surprisingly to me at least, um, costs about $250,000. So, um, and of course, theft, regular theft isn't as expensive, but um, there is a huge burden of the cost of crime for different types of crime categories. Uh, and what's next for you in reporting the story beyond, you know, whether it passes or not? Is, is more planned? This is definitely a big issue for the community. So the Mail Tribune will be continuing its team coverage. Um, Sheriff Sickler, Sheriff Nathan Sickler will be going to around to the city councils. So we'll be fanning out, uh, seeing how it goes with the city councils. If all goes as he hopes, voters would decide this coming May in the spring whether to approve a new jail, and it would be in the hands of everybody out there. Okay. Uh, Vicki, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate the time and the explainer on this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. You can read all of Vicki's stories on our website at mailtribune.com. Just search for Jackson County Jail and all three pieces will pop right up. Uh, I definitely encourage you to do it and study up so you can make an informed decision. Thanks again for listening to The Insider. I'm Ryan File. We'll see you back here soon.